Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we figure out when the office actually ended because everyone would have gotten fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host. And with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey, guys. Today, we are discussing Season 2, Episode 2, Sexual Harassment. In this episode, we see the beginning of a rivalry, the birth of a running joke, and the office goes through sexual harassment training for what is probably overdue. (laughs) Probably, especially what we've seen in Season 1. They could have used this. They could have used updates probably pretty often. Right. This episode starts off somewhat innocently enough. Michael comes out of his office and goes to Jim and just, hey, get, get any emails in today? <laughs> Clearly with a purpose here. Yeah. And Jim's like, no, no. Uh, Michael tells him to check his spam folder. And Jim discovers a email forward, clearly from Michael, <laughs> about 50 ways that your priest might be Michael Jackson. Yeah, 50 signs your priest might be Michael Jackson. Right. <laughs> so this interaction is kind of a microcosm of this episode in general because of how dated of a yeah. reference that is. Not just not necessarily the the list, but the fact that it was an email forward. That was definitely a big thing in two thousand five when yeah, this episode it's like so many premiered. Forwards. And if and anyone who works in a workplace that primarily communicates over email will be absolutely stunned that Jim's like, nope, didn't get any emails today. Right. I walk into the office, you know, granted some of them are like the subscription things you'll get every day of like information, but I at least get three emails every day. Yeah. And that's, like, a very low day. Right. Um, But then there's other elements to this episode that would be very dated. Even that Michael Jackson joke. So I'm just thinking, you know, how The Office is now really big amongst, like, Gen Zers because it's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I don't think they would actually get why in 2005 that was the case. Why would... Why... Why does that list exist? Yeah, because, so Michael Jackson died in 2010, correct? Somewhere in there. I think it was 2009 or 2010, but there was a lot of, so we we have that HBO documentary and we've sort of gone back to Michael Jackson's um, life and his interest in young men now, but it wasn't as serious as it is now. And that's why that list can sort of exist in the space of funny, let's call it, in an, in an email forward in 2005. Right. Um, another thing that I don't think a Gen Zer would understand at all, unless they like went back and Googled it, is Todd Packer's license plate. Well, the, yeah. Yeah, so the license plate is, I believe it's W-L-H-N-G, which it's just supposed to be a crash joke of well-hung, but in around this time, the American Idol was so big, and 
the best part of American Idol to a lot of people were, were the terrible auditions. Mm-hmm. And there was a man, Will Hung, who sang She Bangs. So you would have to do like a deep dive internet thing in order to kind of understand that joke if you weren't alive. Right. In 2005, which I guess if you're starting high school right now, you would have been born in 2005. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and not just the jokes in general, but the medium in which they were distributed. Like, yeah. that's something that would be put out on Twitter or, like, a <laughs> Facebook meme True. or something like that. Like, nobody forwards jokes no. on emails anymore. No. Like you don't get the, if you don't send this to ten people, you know, you're going to have a bad day or right. something like that. No, it's just been replaced with, you know... Stupid Facebook things. It was like, I bet 90% of you will just scroll <laughs> past this po- and won't, won't share. This. Right. Yeah. And then we see other kind of signs of the time, if you will. Like Pam's mom is coming to visit. She doesn't have a cell phone. Yeah. And so there's the anticipation for Pam. But even in 2005, how did somebody not have a cell phone? I'm trying to think back... I mean, unless you were, I mean, I understand. I mean, I had just like a basic, you know, the iPhone didn't exist. So smartphones weren't there. So if you were a business person, you probably had a a BlackBerry in 2005. I mean, this, this is peak Motorola Razor territory. Yes, it's getting there. It's definitely I mean, that happen. was definitely the, Cause the I hot had, thing. I had time. a razor. I had a pink razor in 07, like my senior year. You were cooler than I was. <laughs> I don't think... I don't know how, because I think it just... I really think it just worked out as far as, you know, like upgrades and whatever mm-hmm. and like pricing. And it wasn't like... I mean, I definitely wasn't a cool kid, so it wasn't like a status thing. Right. I um, don't remember when... I got my own phone. I mean, I graduated high school in 2003, yeah. so I definitely had my own cell phone at this point. I know a lot of people held out until at least the tens, if you will, like past the odds. Right. But you almost had to at that point because that's when you really couldn't make it with a landline. Right. Well, we're even... Like, we are approaching smartphone territory here. Yeah. I mean, we aren't even... We're past, like, the Nokia brick phones that you can oh, play Snake sure. on. Like, yeah. We are... We're, like, the, the the generation after that. So, yes, we're getting to the point to where... I don't like, know. like, it's the Motorola Razor. Even... We're probably even past that. Like, we're to the no. point where cell phones pretty much came standard with a camera at this point. Oh. Yeah. I, I had a cell phone with a camera. Okay, this might be the very first ones. Because I think you might, I think people might still have had the ones that weren't even flip phones. You remember that? Where it was yeah, just the, like, like a the phone. Nokia, yeah. Like the Nokia brick. And you still so. had an antenna. But it was right. not a brick. It was still, it was like sleeker. It was more like a cordless phone if you had a landline, but smaller. I think you are going back a little too far okay. here. I think, because I remember it was probably like my senior year of high school. I asked for either for my birthday or for Christmas, like a cell phone. Okay. And I like specified that it had to have a camera. That's so funny. 
And it was a flip phone. Flip phones definitely had cameras. And so it even had, maybe I'm, maybe I'm too far ahead here, but it even had, like, I could turn the camera on and then close the, the phone and it, a selfie camera, essentially. Wow, you had a very advanced phone for the time. I mean, if you just think about how much technology took off in the aughts, that's why that's such a crazy statement. Right. Um, and then another sign of the times, to me, the outfits of of definitely Jan, super cute, but you don't see these sort of... Um, I mean, it's a... Power suit, yeah, like but it's, it's a the pinstripe power. It's the suit. gangster pinstripe right. sort of thing. You don't, you won't see that anymore. And like the wide collar, um, sort of thing. And she's holding a razor. Yeah, it looks like in her hand. Um, but it's just funny because it's such this show does resonate. Like, like Billy Ellish is what seventeen, and she uses. I okay. Full disclosure, I don't listen to any of the songs. I just know, I guess, that she does some office clips in some of her songs. I'm really dating myself as far one. as how old I am. But apparently she's a big office fan, but she wouldn't know any of this stuff. Not saying that kids have no idea, but as far as like the pop culture-ness of it. Yeah. I mean, there are, I mean, there is a common clip that comes up on the internet where kids are given things like like a flip phone or a rotary dial phone oh or yeah and they don't know like what a walkman and they're just like i don't know yeah. what to do with this like how yeah do i use this at all it's what? just like cell phone technology just exploded more so than any other technology i feel like that we've seen it's more of a gradual progression so the fact that a landline rotary or just a, a you know a desk phone if you will became so obsolete so quickly is is kind of bonkers yeah another way in which this episode shows its age is generally just the content of the episode in general yeah it's kind of a rough episode it reminds me of some season one uh season one episodes in which there's not a storyline, if you will. There's no, there's no plot. We're, so we're kind of going back to like the Alliance in season one where things just happen. Yeah. There's not really a rhyme or reason to it. Right. This episode centers around sexual harassment training and it is kicked off when Todd Packer shows back up and Michael is asking him for the gossip about the <laughs> recently fired CFO of the company. And Todd Packer goes into full detail as to why the CFO was fired. In his words, because he was nailing his secretary. So this is when Toby shows up and tells Michael that the office, because of these events, the office has to go through just a quick five-minute sexual harassment seminar and out of nowhere we see the birth of the rivalry between Michael and Toby there's definitely a lot more vitriol between the two of them than what we've seen so far in any episode I mean even in just the previous episode yeah we talked about this in the last podcast episode where Michael introduces Katie to Toby and it is 
innocent enough to start. I feel like after this episode, Michael either doesn't introduce Katie to Toby whatsoever, mm-hmm. or kind of as you said in last week's episode, he would introduce Toby and be like, yep, he's terrible. We don't want to talk to him at all. And, and then, then just, just leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Michael is just always annoyed with Toby and he's going to point out every flaw, every problem that he sees with him. And this is also where you get the start of Michael really always declaring that Toby is not a part of the Scranton Dunder Mifflin family. Right. And he says so in an interview with the camera crew. Toby is in HR, which technically means he works for corporate. So he's really not a part of our family. Also, he's divorced, so he's really not a part of his family. And so where this comes from is Michael's belief that Toby, since he works for HR, is kind of the fun police. Like he, yeah. Toby is the one that keeps Michael from being the boss that he wants to be and joking around with his employees. And as we know, that's not what Toby is doing. And that kind of centers around the theme of this episode in general, where, and it really kind of translates to what is going on now with the perceived takeover of PC culture, or where people think that you can't say you can't say anything anymore and everybody just gets offended by everything and blah 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 and that's not what is going on both now and then toby is not saying that you can't joke around in the office toby is not saying that you can only have work related conversations he's just saying you can't be a terrible person. Yeah, you you have to be mindful of what you're saying. And really, Todd's jokes, Todd's story, Michael's jokes, those forwards, it's just the lowest form of, quote, comedy, if you will, if that's how you're getting your laughs. It's not very, and I'm not saying you have to be highbrow, but it's not, it's not inclusive. It's meant to be exclusive. It's meant to... Uh, keep people away. It's meant to put down women. It's meant to put down LBGTQ people. And that's where if you don't really have empathy, you probably won't take that viewpoint. Right. So Toby tells Michael that there needs to be a sexual harassment seminar. Michael, for some reason, gets the idea that he just has to have a killer joke yeah. during this seminar for one reason or another. So he goes down to the warehouse to try and find the good joke. Because in Michael's view, since these the warehouse workers are, you know, your kind of blue-collar types, that's where... Yeah, Michael has such a, just a bizarre viewpoint of the office workers versus the warehouse workers. And that will come up again. That's come up you know, before, and it'll, it's something that he keeps mentioning. Um, and Michael is just so irrationally upset by the idea that HR is doing the sexual harassment update. He's not really putting it together in the context that a executive was having a sexual relationship with his secretary. Yeah. 
And he's taking it as an affront to him. But you, when you see Michael interact with Todd, Michael is such in awe of him and wants to be just like Todd because Michael's kind of spineless. As we've said before, he doesn't have great social skills and he just wants to be liked. And Todd's kind of a bully. And so if he can get in the good graces of Todd, he's he's sort of safe, if you will. And that's like the cool kid. So it's not like Michael is making jokes or telling stories that are as crass and just terrible that Todd was when he's talking about um, the CFO and the CFO's secretary. But Michael's are more... They're they're equally as bad because they're just like dumb forwards or it's just that's what she said and he he is so upset at the thought of losing email forwards. Right. So Michael returns in the middle of the sexual harassment seminar with a blow up doll. And this of course has to lead to the firing of Michael in this episode. It would be fi- a fireable offense anyway, right? but especially within the context of the episode, it's literally like a, dude, what are you doing? It's this is rough. literally what we're talking about right now. It's really rough. Like what he, then how he talks about, you know, what if Pam was a lesbian and it has literally nothing to do with anything. It's just, again, that, that weird frat boy humor of two yeah. women kissing Right. Um, and then he's like, okay, Pam, Pam, demonstrate with the doll. And it's just so crazy. We get a lot of Pam as a sexual object yes. in this episode. And she even says to the camera, oh, whenever we do a sexual harassment training, that's the day I usually get harassed. Right. And so we have that. We have Michael trying to get Pam to make out with a blowout doll, blow up doll yeah. to prove some point. And then we also get towards the end of the episode, Michael says something along the lines of Pam taking a bath or something like that. At the end, Michael has this realization that he's upper management. You know, you do have to have some level of control and wherewithal. And he says, as much as I might want to take a bath with Pam, I just can't do it anymore. Right. Because he's making this weird analogy to at some point, like parents can't take a bath with their kids. And it's just, very weird um how he's trying to like analogize it yeah um and but I have a question for you so Toby does his update to the office workers with seemingly a powerpoint Mm -hmm. but then Michael and the warehouse workers watch a video in the conference room right so I'm confused if it was like two separate trainings or the same training just two different times right I mean the the video if it is a training appears to be strictly optional because it's only right. Michael and the warehouse guys and they're what they're like eating pizza right. or whatever I feel like Michael got a hold of this video and like it was just meant to be a joke session that was his the, his training right. yeah because they do make a huge joke out of it Right. And then Daryl Daryl says that he knew the woman that's in the video and he had sex with this woman at some point at a party. Um, not that that changes the fact that she can't act in a workplace training video, but... Well, that also brings Michael to call her a hypocrite right? because she's in a sexual harassment video and yet she 
hooked up with Daryl, which, of course, is not the point. Right. Seemingly consensually. Right. That's not workplace sexual harassment. Right. Also, in this seminar, somebody asks about office relationships. Yeah, this is really interesting. And Toby says, well... Office relationships aren't really a good idea, but you do need to disclose them to HR, which in the scope of this show Mm. is definitely a odd statement to make because there are so many office relationships in this show. Many, many different and many different configurations. Right. So just kind of a a nod to what this show is going to become. And this disclosure form becomes super important to Michael. He sees that as a oh, love contract. Right. We'll see that in season three um, with Jan. <laughs> yes. Speaking of Jan, Jan mm-hmm. shows up with the corporate attorney to really kind of hammer home what this seminar was supposed to be about and what yes. the office was supposed to get out of it. And in typical Michael form, he completely overreacts as to what this means for him. Kind of as we said before, it is the end of fun in the office. <laughs> and he addresses the office in a pretty classic office soundbite. Yes, and because he's announcing his retirement from comedy. He's letting everyone know that this is the end. They can't be friends anymore. This is, this is how it's got to be. And then Jim has to sort of poke the bear a little bit. Attention, everyone. Hello. Uh, yes, I just want you to know that uh, this is not my decision. But from here on out, we can no longer be friends. And when we talk about things here, we must only discuss uh, work-associated things. And uh, you can consider this my retirement from comedy. And in the future, if I want to say something funny or witty or do an impression, I will no longer ever do any of those things. Does that include that's what she said? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... So here we have the birth of a running office joke and one that I kind of got into the cultural zeitgeist in general Mm -hmm. of that's what she said. I have mixed feelings on the that's what she said joke. (laughs) It's, It's pretty low. It's, it is, and it isn't. If you can get a good that's what she said joke in there, I I applaud that. But yes, <laughs> there are a lot of times when it is low-hanging fruit yeah. or just very, very easy where it's just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that does work there, but sure, whatever. Right. It, you can be as... You can be as uncreative as you'd like to be, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, for example, the one that Jim says where it's like, boy, that's going to be really hard. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if somebody, someone were to say, you know, well, I left smiling and satisfied, 
And then somebody followed up with, oh, that's what she said. Yep. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> so now let's head back to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. So it looks like Toby is going to be more of a featured player um, from now on. And Toby is played by Paul Lieberstein, who is actually a co-executive producer and a writer on the show. That was something that I always kind of got not confused, but I was, I've always been kind of surprised about it because you have Paul Lieberstein, Mindy Kaling also. And BJ Novak. And BJ Novak. To my knowledge, they didn't really do anything before this. Like, unless they've just been in the business for so long that, but I, I mean, I don't think they were all pretty, I mean, yeah. maybe with the exception of Paul Lieberstein, right. he looks a little bit older, but Mindy Kaling and BJ Novak, both pretty young at this time. I think these were their first major jobs. So you generally see, especially in people that are like starring and things, but like if they're if they're EPs, like they've been around for a while. Like yeah. for example, Succession, Will Farrell is an executive producer right. on that show because right. he has the money that he can just throw around and be like, Yeah, I want to be a part of this. I'll, I want to I want to fund this. this. Right. Yeah. So it is odd to see people who seemingly are just getting their start playing such a prominent role in the in production the, of the show. Yeah, especially in the writer's room and then yeah. also appearing on screen. And like BJ Novak is credited in the opening credits right. as well. So yeah, we see more of uh, Paul Lieberstein and he'll direct a couple episodes uh, in later seasons as well. I think it's really interesting that Toby's seminar was in the middle of the office, and this is, from what I can recall, like the only time we have an actual meeting in the middle of the office at everyone's desk and not the conference room. Right, but usually is a conference room thing. Kind of a tidbit that we'll see come up again, James P. Albini is Michael's personal attorney. Um, We see him, we see him name dropped a couple times in later seasons when Michael feels like he might need an attorney. (laughs) So it's the same guy. And then also Pam's mom appears um, in this episode. That was sort of a a C plot, if you will. And we have a different actress playing Pam's mom in this episode than what we see in later seasons. And it's a totally different vibe of even the character as well. So it's one of those things that in early seasons – you just probably aren't really thinking about maybe where you're going for sure will, with like a guest appearance. Will Pam's mom ever show back yeah. again? Yeah. And to me, there doesn't seem to be any reason to have her visit beyond being able to one see how she how Roy butters her up. Mm-hmm. Um, he puts on a nice sweater. His hair is combed nice, and he. He's like, oh, what music do you want to listen to? So Roy's putting on a performance. For sure. And then, remember last episode? Pam got drunk and kissed Jim. We've gotten no resolution to that in this episode. And the only little tidbit we have is before cutting to the end credits, Pam's mom whispers to her, which one is Jim? So that's the only through line. And not just... And not and not just that happens, but Pam is very stop. Mom. Yeah, like, like so. It's not even a just like a, yeah, not even. She, any, it, there are clear conversations with 
between Pam and Pam's mom that Jim is like if if Jim was just her friend and some yeah. guy, like it would have been like, Oh yeah, he's right over there. Here, let me go introduce you to him. Yeah. But it clearly is a that the conversations that Pam and Pam's mom have had about Jim are not he's you know, just a really nice guy in the office. And if Pam's as close to her mom as as she's intimating to the camera crew, Pam's probably talked about what riff raff like Roy is, and her mom has to know like, well, it's been two 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 and a half years, like there's been no wedding, so yeah, I'm sure she recognizes a little bit. But it's just interesting the you know the little unevenness a bit of the storyline because. That's such a big moment for Jim and Pam, and the very next episode, it's sort of like it didn't happen. Right. Okay, Curtis, who got fired? Well, we have Michael getting fired for bringing a sex doll <laughs> to a sexual harassment seminar, and then we didn't cover this in the course of the episode, but Todd Packer gets fired for just generally doing Todd Packer things. Yeah. He really kind of steps to the line throughout this episode he calls Jim queer he he tells some some jokes in pretty poor taste towards the end of the episode I think that's where he gets yeah especially especially at the end when they've gone through the training clearly and he's still ignoring it and yeah the his choice of language is is going to be problematic right there are several people in this episode that really kind of toe that line. And, I, and that's the point of the yeah. episode in general. But, I mean, when Michael goes to the warehouse guys for a joke, they end up making fun of Michael. But some of the stuff they say, yeah, yeah very, very questionable. As we've talked about before, like, gay jokes were pretty rampant in the early aughts and they were definitely uh, used often um, in this episode. Right. And then when they are going through the sexual harassment seminar, Pam announces to the office, just like, Hey, my mom's going to be here today. So if everybody could be cool, I'd appreciate it. And in the course of this, announcement kevin just goes milf yeah so again also not a great look uh so definitely some people that towed that line of being fired but i think only michael and todd really kind of deserve it agree in this case agree curtis did you have a dundee for this episode not one that i could really think of okay um what about you I do. My Dundee is the best Dundee for anti-product placement goes to the office production team because uh, there is a talking head with, I believe it's Toby in the break room and over his right shoulder, you can see the vending machine and all the candy <laughs> is turned around. Right. So you don't see any actual brands. And I think you can tell there's like, Peanut M and M's and yeah. some bars. In there's there. there's an Abba Zaba. I don't know there. what an Abba Zaba is. Abba Zaba comes up in it's like a taffy oh. type thing. I've never had it, but it's in the movie Half Baked. Uh, oh, I have never seen that. Yeah. So <laughs> Dave Chappelle has a big has a thing with Abba Zaba. Oh. 
you know what? I actually do have one now. Okay. Um, related to that is worst the Dundee for worst distribution goes to the company that provides the <laughs> snacks for the office <laughs> vending machines because in this shot there's clearly only like you see like three oh, rows. Yeah, there's not very and there's, many options. There's only like three different things in these rows. So not not a great like they literally look like there's like a toothbrush in there. I know. Like it's kind of like some sad gum maybe. Right. But yeah, that is funny that everything is turned around. And <laughs> yeah, they're clearly like we're not paying for Mars or you know whatever candy company. Right, right. To be. Who is your employee of the month this episode? My employee of the month is Toby, um, because he really did all he could to just educate the office and and anyone that's worked in a in a kind of larger workplace will recognize like when something happens. HR has to come in and do a quick refresher. And he also is very kind to Dwight and uh, <laughs> helps him understand the female anatomy. Yes. Who's <laughs> um, your employee of the month? Mine is also Toby. Just, he really deserves it just for putting up with Michael. Yeah. Not just in this episode, but in future episodes. I am somewhat on team Toby in in the during this show mostly just because of his interactions with Michael and Michael's a terrible person and Toby is on the right side of of these things so mm-hmm. so yes I also had Toby as my employee of the month so that does it for this episode kind of an odd episode one that like you said Kind of doesn't have a place within the grand scheme of yeah, the show. especially after starting with the Dundies, it sort of comes back down a little bit. But we do pick up, I feel like pick up some some storylines that we'll see through the season um, in the next couple of weeks. Right. So we look forward to you guys joining us for those episodes. Again, be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get the latest updates and to follow us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, all the other podcasting mediums that we are on. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. See ya.